Well, I want to, uh, this morning, uh, quote a, a contestant from one of the more random TV competition shows that are available to you at the moment, if you are one bored, and two, have a subscription to Netflix. Uh, the contestant says this. He says, what I do is the weirdest thing in the world. There are people saving lives. All I do is make cakes that look like other things. The show is called, Is It Cake? And I said, you have to be bored and have a Netflix subscription. It's, it's amazing what they can turn into a TV competition. I kind of, I love the creativity. At the end of the, at the, end of the show, uh, the judges are presented uh, with five ordinary looking objects. It might be five bowling balls, five handbags, five different shoes. And they judge them from a distance, so maybe the judges are standing where I am, and they're, they're looking at these things that probably would be the equivalent of the, the middle of the church, and they've got to decide, out of those five, which four are real, which one is made from cake. And, okay, you're doing exactly what I would do, right? And you're going, well, that's going to be obvious, right? Because you probably make cakes like I do, taste better than they look, or at least you hope so. But it turns out, not only do TV shows uh, kind of excel in their odd creativity, there are some people with some amazing cake-making skills. And actually, these judges are looking at these different items, and they're struggling. They're finding it really tough. Once the judges have made their decision, the presenter turns up with even more enthusiasm than I've got, with a knife, and says, Is it cake? And of course, it's the knife that reveals the reality, isn't it? If it's the real object, it doesn't cut. If it's cake, it goes straight through. It is the knife that uncovers the reality of things. This morning, uh, Isaiah 58 is a bit like that knife. It cuts through to uncover the reality of things. And that, that kind of idea of a knife cutting through and God's word being like a knife, it's quite a biblical idea. Uh, perhaps your mind has already gone there. Hebrews chapter 4, we're told uh, that God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces, doesn't it? it? It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, we're told. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Isaiah 58 does that for God's people. It, it, it uncovers the reality of their worshipping life. The, the key question is not, is it cake? As much as we might like it to be. It's something far more important. We, we heard it as Chris read it, it's in verse 5. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen. Now, it might be a question about, specifically about fasting, but it uncovers the reality of what's really going on under the surface in the worshipping life of God's people. Because on the surface, well, God's people, like the, look, they look like the real deal. Just look again, listen again. Verse 2, we're told they, they seek God out. They seem eager to know God's ways. They look like God's will is at the heart of their lives. They're asking for God to act. We're told they're eager for God to come near them. And yet, God's people are left with this, this sort of nagging sense that God is distant. Their prayers are not being answered in the ways that they would like them to be. They're not got it getting what they want to from worship. God is not doing what they would like him to do. And so we read verse, verse 3. They say, why have we fasted and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not Notice, it's, it's almost as if God's people have turned up at God's customer service desk and they are really frustrated. God, these ways of worship that you've given to us, they are not working. What are you going to do about it? 
But it's already hinted at in verse 2 that things for God's people aren't quite what they seem. What's the reality underneath? Isaiah 58 cuts in like that knife, uncovering the reality. It doesn't uncover cake, it uncovers something much less appealing. We read at the end of verse 3. Yet on the day of fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting, well, it ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. The idea of fasting for God's people at this point seems to have been, we're going to make ourselves really hungry and really miserable. And in doing so, make sure everybody else around us is really hungry and really miserable. Instead of making the lives of, of others around them fuller and happier. The worshipping life of God's people seems to have been about getting God to give them what they wanted and to let them do whatever they pleased. Instead of them getting God, being given what God wants to give and doing as he pleases. And it's at this point with a passage like Isaiah 58, I know it because I do it, and I, just, I can't be the only one, surely, where we just start to put a bit of distance between us and them. I mean, that was God's people, the nation of Israel then before Jesus. We're in Jesus, we're over here. We're in a new covenant, they're in the old covenant. Things are different. We, we wouldn't do such a thing, would we? Well, it's worth remembering, perhaps, Jesus' words uh, to us, describing what, what, does a, what does a worshipping life as a Christian involve? Well, Jesus put it like this. He said, if anyone would be my disciple, well, they do that to deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. And yet, in the busyness and the noisiness of life, in a life where we've been freed from the guilt of sin by the cross of Christ, we, we still battle with sin. In a life where we know the Holy Spirit is still at work renovating us, we're not, we're not finished articles yet. In that, we, we easily begin to twist Jesus' words around and begin to live out what someone else has, has rewritten it as. We deny our neighbor. We take up our comfort and we follow our dreams. We, we make it look convincingly Christian on the outside. But Isaiah 58 perhaps is a knife for us today to cut through and just show us what's, what's going on. And, it, and if we're living like that, it, it might feel like we want to go to God's customer service desk and go, it's not working, God. You feel distant. Prayer doesn't seem to work. I'm not getting what I want from worship. You're not doing what I think you should. And perhaps Isaiah 58 needs to be that blade of the Spirit this morning, cutting into us. But remember, it's, it's like a surgeon's scalpel. A surgeon's scalpel is not there to destroy us or to damage us. Why does the surgeon go in with a scalpel? To heal us, to mend us, to make us whole. So we find in Isaiah 58 uh, the way of life that Jesus calls us to live. A way of life Jesus has already lived on our behalf. And so the Holy Spirit this morning it says to us, come, come and join in. Continue to join in with the way of Jesus. He's done everything for us for us to be part of that life. 
Come on. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. And in doing so, the wonderful thing about Isaiah 58 is we discover God's, uh, we get to discover and experience God's incredible blessing. So I think there's just three, three aspects of what worshipping life for, for God's people uh, look like from Isaiah 58. Uh, the first aspect of it is that we are we're people who don't turn away from those in need. We don't turn away from those in need. In Isaiah 58, God's, God's people were, were, were fasting and, and treating it as a way of twisting God's arm behind his back to get what they wanted. Fasting continues today to be something God has given to us. But not, not, not to twist his arm to get what we want, but as a way of expressing our deepest need for God. That's just a way God has given us to, to help reset what we think is most important and who we think is most important. See, fasting is not just simply, let's get hungry, let's get miserable. Instead, it's about helping us recognize that the world God has made is good. But human sin, including our own, has spoiled things. And it means we live in a world where people are hungry, people are miserable. So we pick up in verse 6, is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. And we kind of go, yes! Doesn't that sound good? Sounds great, doesn't it? And you go, that's well beyond what I can do. That's cultural change. That's structural change. That's campaigning for change. And it might be amongst us. And there are in the life of the church around the world people who very much can take a lead on this. But we're involved in politics and campaigns and, and are making real differences and, and we praise God for them. And it's good as a church community that we're able to link up with uh, different people and different organizations, whether it's supporting the, the work of the local food bank um, and, and knowing the difference it makes to people locally or, or the bridge in Leicester uh, seeking to serve the homeless or those at risk of homelessness or, or maybe further afield and we uh, we know that one of our mission partners, the Hope of um, Glory Foundation in Pune in India, uh, run by Joy, and, and their, their desire to be serving street children in that region. Or, or Mission Aviation Fellowship, MAF, uh, as they seek to um, bring the essentials of life, including the gospel, to the remotest communities on the planet. And between us, I suspect, we will know of, uh, prayerfully support, financially support, different individuals, different organizations, and we go, Praise God for what they're doing as they loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, and set the oppressed free. We can sit back, right? That's what I love about Isaiah 58. It's true of the Bible. It's so practical. It gets under our skin. We can't sit back whilst others do the work. Verse 7. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own Flesh and blood. That phrase, flesh and blood, immediately probably springs to mind a kind of immediate family. But the word there is so much broader. It's not just our direct family. It's, it's everybody who shares the same flesh as us. The human race. Other people. Everyone created in the image, like we are, in the image of God. Not turning away from them in their need. When we meet someone in need, the situations may vary. Uh, the people will be different. 
Maybe somebody asking for our help. Maybe you're out walking and somebody says to you, have you got any change? In those moments, I know how easy it is to want to just get myself out of that situation and get on with what I'm doing. And the call here is not to turn away from people's needs. Now, how we respond in those moments might vary between us. And we might want to have a a conversation about what is best, what's wisest. and, And we might disagree on that. But can we all at least agree that the person in front of us is a person? They have a name. Why not in that moment ask them what their name is and introduce yourself? Be in that conversation to hear their story. They are a person. They are in need. Part of our worshiping life is not to turn away from their needs. And as we do so, we begin to and continue to experience the reality that in our deepest needs, we have a God who did not turn away from us, who does not turn away from us. Verse 9, then you will call, the Lord will answer, you will cry for help. What happens? God will say, here am I. First aspect of worshipping life, Jesus calls us into not to turn away from those who are in need. The second one is to spend ourselves on the behalf of others. Now, we might be wondering, what does it look like to do away with the yoke of oppression? And again, Isaiah 58, wonderfully practical, kicks in at verse 9. If you do do away with the yoke of oppression, what's that? With the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry, and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. How do, how do we do away with the yoke of oppression? Well, it begins with stopping pointing the finger and making those accusations against others, even when it means we're going to stop feeling a bit better about ourselves or other people might think worse of us. Instead, God says in Isaiah 58, we're to turn the energies we might put into pointing the finger and making these accusations and to put them into feeding the hungry. Serving those who are least or feel least in our communities. Now it said that if you want to grow as a Christian, go and tell somebody about Jesus. It's like rocket fuel for Christian growth. If you want to be a Christian who is less grumpy and less gloomy, Isaiah 58 says, give and serve. Look what happened. Second half of verse 10. Then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. In my experience, I don't think I've ever encountered a Christian who was sacrificially given and then gone, I regret doing that. Doesn't it say in verse 11, the Lord will always will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. Somebody at the um, early service at 8.45 was telling me that that verse about um, being satisfied in a sun-scorched land was part of God reaffirming a call to go and serve on the mission field in, in an African nation. To give sacrificially, knowing that God would replenish. End of verse 12, I love this. Uh, you will be called repairer of broken walls. I kind of want to say, what a great phrase for us to bear in mind as we seek to build and open the hub. As at the moment, walls in the derelict pavilion are repaired. New walls are built up as we seek with the hub to to live out a vision of creating a place of welcome and community, of help and hope for all. But for us to do that, for us to finish building it, for us to be living that out, we've got to spend of ourselves. 
with our energy, with our finances, with our prayers. The worshipping life Jesus has brought us into, it's about not turning away from those in need. It's about spending ourselves on behalf of others. And thirdly and lastly, it's, it's taking time to delight in God. Taking time to delight in God. We pick it up um, halfway through verse 13. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's day, the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. The Sabbath gave God's people their structure to their week, that one day of rest amongst seven beds, a day of the week that's devoted to God, free from work, a reminder of who they belong to, a reminder that they were loved and chosen. Now, as people in Christ, we, we are not bound by uh, some of the laws God's people uh, historically as a nation in the Old Testament were bound by. It doesn't mean we just put aside that principle of one day of rest in seven. Instead, we can still step back on day week from what's urgent and discover what's important. We not only rest from work, but we, we get the deep rest from Jesus. That reminder that he has done everything needed for us to know God. We don't have to prove ourselves to God. Jesus has done everything. It's a pattern that God has given us for our good. Whether it's fasting, whether it's, it's the day of rest. Do you notice in both of those things, it's about giving stuff up. It's giving of ourselves. Whether it's food. Whether it's a day when we could get a heck of a lot done. And each one of those things, it's a reminder to us that the worshipping life Jesus calls us is to deny ourselves. It's not to deny our neighbour, it's to deny ourselves. It's about taking up our cross daily, not taking up our comfort daily. And it's about following Jesus, not following our dreams, but letting our dreams be reshaped by him. Isaiah 58 is like a knife that cuts through. I wonder what it's revealing about each one of us this morning, or what it's revealing about you. Whatever it reveals, know that we come to Christ and are forgiven. We come to Christ and he invites us to, to join him. And this amazing life of denying ourselves, taking up our cross, and in doing so, experiencing and discovering God's blessing. Let me pray. Forgive us, Father, when we so easily turn life following Jesus to be all about us. Uh, and in doing so, we deny others and we, we seek our comfort. Thank you so much that the way of Jesus is so much better. And it's a way that you uh, have invited us to follow if we put our trust in him. I pray that your spirit would be shaping each one of us here this morning. That we would not turn away from those in need we would be willing to spend ourselves, not just a little bit, but to properly spend ourselves for the sake of others. And in doing so, delight and find delight in you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.